Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the SEC Morning Report here on Southeastern 14, presented to you by Chomps. Make sure that you check out the description below to get all the information and a little bit of a discount as well on Chomps, which is a healthy, delicious snack. You can get different types of protein like venison, like beef, like turkey. So make sure that you check out chomps also you can partner with us send your information to caroline.smith at southeastern14.com and become a mvp of southeastern 14 today but guys it is monday and you know what that means if you have been a part of this channel you know that each and every monday we go back and we look and see okay what did these teams do how did they tell us information about themselves this past weekend what did we learn from each team so we'll start with Alabama the Crimson Tide defeated Ole Miss 24 to 10 things did not look good in that first half I mean they they went backwards one time in the red zone says McLaughlin has a terrible snap uh, they end up having to come away with a field goal there and they still are down one point at halftime and I just had a feeling that said hey Alabama just played as bad as it can possibly play and is down one point to Ole Miss. And Ole Miss was not capitalizing on the opportunities it had to put Alabama away. I mean, when you have opportunities to take a take a punch at a team like Alabama, when they're giving you some opportunities, you better take them. You better not miss because once they get up off the mat, you're done. It's over with. And Alabama showed toughness. I think that is what we learned out of Alabama, they showed toughness and grit. And I think more than anything, that has to please Nick Saban. We can talk about, you know, Jalen Milrow and this Alabama offense maybe isn't what it, what Alabama offenses have been over the last few years. But I think Nick Saban would tell you if he could have one quality about his offense, having some toughness, having some grit, being able to run the football when they want to run the football, I think he absolutely loves it. It's an identity that he wanted to get back to. I think you're starting to see that. You're starting to see some 12 personnel. They're getting downhill doing more duo blocking than they are, you know, full zone blocking. They're getting lots of double teams at the point of attack. They're doing some design quarterback runs with Jalen Milrow. We saw some quarterback sweep. I said going into the game, will Nick Saban allow Tommy Reese to call this more like a 2020 Notre Dame team with Ian Book at quarterback. And we saw back then Ian Book, a lot of design quarterback sweep, uh, you know, some bootleg off of it. We we saw some some play action pass, taking some deep shots. And that is exactly what we started to see Alabama out of Alabama on Saturday. I think that Jalen Milrow, while he wasn't, I guess, elite in his play, he was plenty good enough. He made one terrible throw there in the end zone, a really bad decision. But other than that, he gave his receivers chances downfield. Uh, they have to get better in the red zone. But I think toughness is what we learn about Alabama. They have it. And now going forward, they've got to just get more consistent. And Jalen Milrow continued to adapt that offense towards his his strengths. And I think as, as the team knows, hey, that, that's our guy now. 
we're going forward. Tommy Reese is able to kind of get things get things going a little bit. You're going up against a Mississippi State team that cannot uh, stop the run very well. South Carolina ran the ball on them, and that is uh, very shocking, if you know, to say the least, with what South Carolina has been able to do. So Alabama should have a big week running the ball this weekend. For a second week, Alabama has a different running back step up. It was Roy Dell Williams in the USF game. It was Jace McClellan in the in the game against Ole Miss. So Nick Saban and company, they calmed the waters a little bit there in Tuscaloosa, and now they'll go over to Starkville this week. So that's what we learned about an Alabama team that plays elite defense as well. The defense w- was really, really good. They shut down. Old Miss's run game, uh, even with Deontay Lawson out. So we learned that front is very salty as well. Arkansas, uh, I think we learned that Arkansas can be explosive. Now, admittedly, some of that has to do a little bit with LSU's deficiencies in the secondary. But still, you have to have somebody dialing up the shots and you have to have somebody uh, you know, being able to separate at, at receiver slash tied in. They had Luke Haas, freshman, that had a huge game, had a couple touchdowns. Uh, Andrew Armstrong finally got got involved in some things, uh, you know, with the plays down the field. K.J. Jefferson is a gutsy guy. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a really good player, really good college quarterback that, you know, ran the ball well enough, Rashad DeBinion, got in the mix and helped out. If You got to wonder, man, if Arkansas just had a healthy Rocket Sanders, what this could have looked like. Always a great game between those two teams. So I think Arkansas showed a lot of resolve. But at the same time, they left a lot out there. They left a lot, you know, twice getting down in there in the LSU red zone and coming away with field goals. If you're going to go on the road and win in the SEC, you got to finish those to, to six points. Got to be able to do that. Uh, KJ Jefferson turned the ball over a couple of times. Got to value the football. Can't be can't be reckless with it. And, uh, you know, Arkansas, they, they, were, they were holding down that LSU offense uh, defensively being aggressive, things like that, but, you know, get get lost in coverage a couple of times. Uh, Brian Thomas goes up and makes a couple of plays on, on, a, on a 50-50 ball, and then, you know, that's kind of all she wrote over there. Jaden Daniels and company just made enough plays uh, to beat him. But I think we, we learned that Arkansas has some resolve, and if they get Rocket Sanders back, particularly if they could get him back for this Texas A&M game, there's still plenty out in front of this Arkansas team. Uh, they're still playing hard for Sam Pittman. That offensive line is starting to starting to improve uh, a little bit. They did have a couple of breakdowns and protections, but you know, especially the offensive tackles. But I think Arkansas overall um, discipline, finishing in the red zone, and being able to just take advantage of opportunities that are there in front of you. you got to execute, especially on the road. There'll be a interesting game in Jerry's world against Texas A&M. It's always a crazy game, a bounce of ball type game. Okay, what's going to happen here or there? And there's going to be a player two in this game where Arkansas has to show discipline and they have to, uh, you know, just have a better better playmaker at the end of the day than Texas A&M does. LSU made those critical plays in this past game, even with Arkansas playing quite well. 
but I think overall we learned that there's still plenty of fight left in this Arkansas team. Auburn, we learned that they are terrible on offense. Uh, they, they have not had a quarterback throw for over 100 yards against a Power 5 team in their last five opportunities to do so. They do not have any efficiency when it comes to, to the passing game. They're not able to convert on third downs. Uh, quarterbacks are, are holding the football a long time. They're not able to, they're not able to protect well. Uh, they, they do have good running backs, but Demari Austin, you know, he got banged up with the shoulder. I think he's been their best back. They're, they're thin in the secondary a little bit now. Um, with Keontae Scott being out, they had a couple guys going, going in and out. Uh, I just don't think this Auburn team, and Hugh Freeze has alluded to it, is where they need to be roster-wise right now to compete the way they, they want to. And, and it's not getting any easier with Georgia coming in to the Plains this week. Now, that will be a great environment, and we know that the Deep South's oldest rivalry is always a interesting matchup between those teams. But I just think you got to be really, really disheartened in the, the play of Peyton Thorne and how – there's no, there's no anticipation. They're not, they're not delivering the football with confidence. Robbie Ashford, who knows where his head is with the way that they've used him, you know, coming in, only letting him run the football. Then they try to throw it some with him. And, and by the end of the game, holding Garner's in for, uh, for Auburn. So just abysmal quarterback play, a lot of injuries on this team right now. They're going to have to fix a lot of things a lot of things with Georgia coming into town. I don't know that they have the time to do it. What we learned about Auburn, and you bullet all down, is Hugh Freeze is recruiting well, and he's going to have to because this roster is not ready to take on uh, SEC competition, and they just got absolutely, uh, absolutely manhandled at the point of attack a lot of times. You had uh, Texas A&M that just had better playmakers, and we're more physical a lot of times during that game. Texas A&M should have won that game a lot bigger because uh, there was a couple times in the red zone that they didn't execute. All right, let's talk about Florida, the Florida Gators. Uh, we didn't learn a ton about Florida because they had a lot of offensive line stuff going on, had a couple suspensions. Kingsley Aguacan was out um, to injury. So the, the first half, they had three linemen out, then they had one uh, just missing because of an injury that Kinsley Aguncon in the second half. Um, and they didn't run the ball great, uh, but, you know, it's kind of a game where they slept walk a little bit, uh, a little bit of an emotional letdown after that Tennessee victory that was real big at the Swamp, and then you play a team like Charlotte. So that was a little bit understandable. Um, I just think that, you know, it's going to be a deal where Florida – is going to try to run the football and play good defense. I mean, that's their calling card. Graham Mertz is going to be efficient, and they're going up against a team this week in Kentucky that's kind of a similar ball team. And I think when it comes down to it, Billy Napier, that's kind of his calling card. Hey, can we get Etienne? Can we get Montreux Johnson going? They didn't do so in this game. Like I said, there was some uh, inconsistency and some some – you know, availability issues on the offensive line, but I wouldn't overreact to the Charlotte game there. I think we saw what Florida can do in big moments when they stepped up against Tennessee and really punched them in the mouth, particularly with that running game. So just want to see 
just want to see them come out and see how they how they're able to run the ball against Kentucky. Really, I think that's going to be the tail of that game. Graham Mertz is playing good football. Uh, Ricky Pearsall, what a catch he made! I mean, that was ridiculous. We learned that, that Ricky Pearsall it not only is a you know freakishly talented uh, receiver in terms of his dexterity and being able to catch that ball one hand, but he's also a tough guy too. Took a shot on it. So I mean, it is uh, it is really really fun to see when when Florida is is playing some good football they are right now I think it makes the SEC better uh, when Florida's competitive and I think it's going to be a great game in Lexington this weekend as the Gators travel up to take on Kentucky now let's talk about the Georgia Bulldogs we learned that the Georgia Bulldogs are going to be just fine on offense. Uh, people were worried about red zone offense. Well, they went six for six in the red zone, six opportunities, six touchdowns. Carson Beck had eight possessions uh, in this game that he was a part of, scored six touchdowns uh, on there in those possessions. He was 22 of 32, 377, had a couple of drops in there, one particular big drop. Yes, he missed a wide open Jackson Meeks down the field. But when you talk about creating explosive plays, the Georgia team is starting to do that, and that's dangerous for other teams, particularly when Georgia's healthy. Right now, they're without two running backs that are going to play a lot for them in Roger Robinson and Kendall Milton. They're without two tight ends that they're counting on to produce this year, particularly Lawson Lucky, who's who's getting his way, could be coming back from that tightrope uh, tight surgery on his ankle, so that would be big. Um, they are getting excellent play out of Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp. Hey, we learned that Brock Bowers is still around. They they decided to feed him the ball a little bit. Nine catches, 120 yards. He passed 2,000 yards for his career. Um, and I think even with the injuries there to, to running back, uh, Ladd McConkey was still out. Like I said, the two tight ends, Amarius Mims uh, out at tackle. Georgia is playing, starting to play better and better. And listen, you got to, uh, you know, give the, the, all these teams that come in and play Georgia, they're going to, they treat it particularly lower, lower level teams like a UAB. They treat it like they're, they're Super Bowl, so to speak. Trent, Trent Dilfer was, uh, talking it up all week and they made a couple of plays defensively. You'd like to see Georgia. Uh, be a little bit more disciplined on that side of the ball, especially with a, a big lead a couple times, made some sloppy plays. But overall, I think we know what Georgia has defensively. Uh, they are the most talented team in the country. They have the most depth in the country, and that's on display because when you looked at the injury report going in this game, it was 15 deep for Georgia. I mean, they were banged up going into this game against UAB. They handled their business quite well. And I think when it comes down to it, Carson Beck is playing some really good football. He's not putting it in harm's way. He gets the team in and out of the correct plays. I mean, making sure, hey, we don't like this look. Let's get it changed over there. Dejan Edwards has, has helped a lot since he's come back. So I think we learned that Georgia's offense is becoming explosive. And I think it's going to be the healthiest as a team that it, that Georgia has been uh, this week when they go to Auburn, I, I look for them to get some of those guys back. If they can, if they can walk, if they can, if they can operate at, you know, 75, 80%, I expect to see some of those guys come back for Georgia and play in an SEC contest. 
Now the Kentucky Wildcats. They went on the road, beat Vanderbilt. Uh, their defense stepped up, produced two touchdowns. Anytime that happens, uh, your chances of winning are basically 100%. I mean, you, you're able to turn the team over and create points out of it, and that's a that's a big deal. They, they forced another one where they got a short field against Vanderbilt. So the calling card of that Mark Stoops team, let's be efficient running the football. Uh, let's let's make enough plays passing, but let's play some incredible incredible defense, uh, and that's what they were doing. They they forced havoc uh, over there and and made AJ Swan uncomfortable, and he threw a couple of pick sixes to him. So I think you're starting to see, you know, Devin Leary uh, and this offense, you know, do do some good things, particularly in the in the quick game, the short game. Um, Ray Davis is playing really well for Kentucky. Uh, they're, they're getting a little bit of movement up front, but Devin Leary has to, you know, make better decisions throwing the ball down the field. He put the ball up in double coverage one time. He over uh, under threw one as well. Um, and I just think you're, you're needing to see some more confidence out of him throwing the ball down the field. Uh, Liam Cohen's got to find ways to, I think, to – to get that running game and that that perimeter pass game going early and and get those defenses starting to be a little bit more aggressive against them to open up some of the things on the back end. But at the end of the day, it's a road win on the, in the SEC. I don't care if it's Vanderbilt. You take it all year. Remember, Kentucky didn't win that game last year at home against Vanderbilt. So now you're, you're undefeated uh, with an opportunity to host a Florida team that looks very similar to you. Like I said, very good at running the football. Uh, wants to play. Wants to play very sound, but at the same time, very very active defense over there. Brad White uh, going a, up against Billy Napier. That's I like that matchup inside the that matchup inside the matchup there. But Devin Leary got to get some more confidence throwing the ball down the field and and just not put the ball in harm's way. I was really really high on Devin Leary coming in the year because I thought he would return to the the NC State form of two years ago especially with Liam Cohen calm plays and it hasn't necessarily come to fruition yet is this the game where he puts it all together I really like those receivers at Kentucky um, but ultimately I think we learned hey the the big blue wall Ray Davis and then that defense over there with Trevin Wallace and J.J. Weaver Deion Walker that's where this game if uh, coming up against Florida is going to be one uh, if they're going to do it they got to do it with that Mark Stoops DNA that he's kind of put together there at Kentucky. So that's what we learned about the Wildcats. LSU, uh, we just learned that Jaden Daniels is so consistent. I mean, had a, had some struggles early on. They weren't really moving the football the way they wanted to, but then he finally started forcing the ball down the field a little bit. And when I say forcing, I mean just taking what's there. You got a one-on-one -on -one matchup with a guy like Brian Thomas or a guy like Malik Neighbors. Well, guess what? That's open. Uh, if you ever get one-on-one, -on -one, they're open. I don't care if the guy's in their shirt. They're open because they're the type of receiver that they can go up and make those 50-50 balls. Um, you know, Brian Thomas is, is really becoming a huge uh, threat for them down the field. We know Malik Neighbors is elite. Uh, and then Logan Diggs providing stability and production from the running back, something that LSU has desperately needed Jaden Daniels can't be the one doing everything, and he's not having to run as much when you have a guy like Logan Diggs that you can turn and just hand the ball to and say, hey, buddy, go get me 
go get me four, five, six yards, and, and let's we'll come back and do the next play. I think that's big. That's very big for them. Uh, and, you know, that's going to help them late in ball games, especially as well, and probably help keep Jaden Daniels uh, a little bit more healthy this year. He, he struggled with some injuries uh, last year, and I just think, you know, anytime you have a, a team like Arkansas come in and give you their their best best shot early, that defense stepped up and forced a couple of red zone, red zone stops that were key in this game, uh, created a couple of turnovers, but we also learned that secondary for LSU has problems. I mean, they're getting lost in zone coverage. They're they're having a, a you know they're getting beat a couple of times in man coverage. It is a struggle right now on the back end of that LSU offense, particularly against a Arkansas team that, quite honestly, I mean, I said you know Haas made plays, Armstrong made plays, but they had not had they had not had any kind of separation all year. Uh, at the receiver position, tight end position, that's playing teams like Western Carolina, Kent State, BYU. They had not been able to make the kind of chunk plays that they made all year until they did so in LSU, in Baton Rouge. Now, I think that's a little bit concerning if you are LSU. you got to get that tightened up, especially pay, playing a Ole Miss team on the road this week. So uh, I think we learned that, hey, Jaden Daniels and that offense are very mature. They make a lot of plays, but that defense has got some problems on the back end. The the front end continues to 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 be pretty salty. Mason Smith, Harold Perkins, all those guys up front, but they got to get those questions answered on the back end. If you're LSU, Mississippi State, Mississippi State showed some resiliency. I think they showed that they're not going to just mail in the rest of this year. They 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 played with great effort, and Will Rogers was back to be being vintage Will Rogers. He was he was putting the ball down the field. Now, Tulu Griffin was running wide open. I mean, it was wide open spaces out there for him. It was like a Dixie Chick song going out there in Columbia. Tulu Griffin was just, I mean, nobody around him uh, a couple of times. Justin Robinson made some plays as well. They still didn't have balance because they couldn't run the football. So it's been that they couldn't throw the football well or didn't have didn't try enough to, to throw the football well. And in this game, they didn't run the football hardly at all to give balance. So Mississippi State, at some point, going to try to have to find some balance in the offense, even though Will Rogers had a, a really, really good performance in terms of putting the ball down the field. Uh, they allowed too much in the run game to South Carolina. South Carolina was very, very below average, let's say, running the football coming into this one. And they allowed um, Mario Anderson to be efficient in the run game for South Carolina. He had 26 carries for 88 yards against them. Um, you know, Spencer Spencer Rattler got out and hurt him a couple times with his legs as well. Uh, so I just think that, hey, they, they showed, Mississippi State showed that they're not dead yet. They're going to fight. They're going to have – uh, you know, opportunities to be in games. They do get to go home. Bad news is you got Alabama coming in there. But, hey, you know, is this an opportunity to show, all right, now we've shown we can throw the football like crazy, uh, and Alabama is, you know, susceptible at times to giving up some some big plays through the air. But Terry and Arnold played really, really good this last game, so they won't be able to just pick on him. Got to find ways to get – 
get get the ball to Tulu Griffin more and more. I mean, he's explosive, uh, and we saw that. Hey, you got to get him touches. But overall, I just think the effort and the ability to bounce back after getting your doors blown off against LSU has to be encouraging for Mississippi State. And uh, little baby steps here for Zach Arnett and company. They're they're continuing to kind of put their their fingerprint on this program and and see where it's going to lead. And uh, I think the defense ultimately has to be better against the run. They're going to have to load up and just say, "Listen, Alabama, you're going to have to force us." You're gonna to have to beat us down the field because we're gonna we're gonna put a lot of people in the box. We're gonna do some run blitzes. We're gonna create some different looks. And Jalen Milrow, you're gonna to have to try to beat us going down the field. That's that's got to be their answer in Starkville this week. Missouri going into week five, are the Missouri Tigers the most complete football team in the SEC? Have they played the best overall? complimentary football of any team in the league throughout the year and you look at them and my goodness they play really really good defense they are efficient on offense not just efficient now brady cook is starting to make some plays i mean he's out there even hobbled up he's he's throwing the ball well they had over 500 yards of offense i mean my goodness they they held Memphis under 100 yards rushing. It is a ridiculous uh, amount of just togetherness that we're seeing from the offensive side and defensive side under Eli Drinkwitz. Impressive back-to-back wins, Kansas State and Memphis. So I think you can't overlook this Missouri team. Eli Drinkwitz got that extension last year, and some people question, hey, what's what's going on here? Uh, What You know, why? Why he get his extension when he hasn't really won a ton of games and things like that? But I think that you're starting to see that pay off the benefits here of why Missouri was looked upon, uh, you know, favorably, or why Eli Drinkwitz was looked upon favorably by the administration there. But they believed uh, in in what he was doing there as a, as a program that the legislature has changed its laws there in Missouri to help out with NIL. Uh, but I think as long as Brady Cook is playing the way he is, getting the ball to Luther Burton frequently, and then they're starting to get some running game out of Schrader and, and Pete, they, they had over 200 yards rushing against this Memphis team. So I just love the balance with this team. And, you know, even though that they've still got some things they can clean up, I'm excited to see what Missouri is going to do, you know, as we get deeper into – SEC play, they should start off 5-0 and with a game at Vanderbilt this week. They're going to be more talented. Uh, they're going to be better up front on both sides of the ball, and they should be able to stop Vanderbilt's passing game. Uh, that's really the only little threat they have is with Jaden McGowan and and Will Shepard over there. Who knows who the quarterback's going to be, but I think Abrams Drain and, and Rake Straw will be able to, to lock them down at the corners. So I'm excited to see – what Missouri is going to do going forward? I mean, they they're probably going to be five and zero after this week with LSU uh, coming into Como on October seventh. So hey, don't 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 sleep on the Tigers. It's going to be an interesting run here for Eli Drinkwitz and company going forward. Uh, Ole Miss, they they played pretty well defensively in that in that first half. Um, you know, they, they've got to find a way offensively to run the football. Uh, I just don't know 
I just don't know why they're they're not able to to run it as effectively this year. Quinshawn Judkins hadn't really shown up as the way that they wanted him to. I don't think he's totally healthy. Still, um, they did get Caden Priestcorn back. That was a big for them. They got Zachary Franklin back, but you would have thought they would have had a little bit more explosivity in that game against Alabama. They weren't able to do so. Um, Jackson Dart, not his greatest game, threw the ball into double coverage there to begin the second half and really gave Alabama more momentum uh, than they than they needed there right, right as they were going into the third quarter. I think coming home, they're going to play a lot better, especially against a LSU secondary that is quite suspect. Uh, they really, really need to get Quinshaw Jenkins rolling or that running game, whether it's Bentley, whether it's Judkins, whether it's Dart with his legs. This Ole Miss offense is at its best when it's able to run the football and then the, the passing game comes off of that. That's what Lane Kiffin wants to do. Uh, I just don't think the defense, you know, they're very senior heavy. I mean, you look, they got 10 out of 11 in that starting group. There are seniors or, or either grad seniors or transfer seniors. I mean, there's a lot of experience, a lot of football there. I think Pete Golden did a pretty good job with that team defensively. You would think going into that, hey, if 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 you told me, hey, Ole Miss is going to hold Alabama to 24 points, I would have been like, hey, I think they, they got a chance to win the ball game because I thought Ole Miss would be a lot more explosive offensively. So just got to play a little bit better complimentary football. Jackson Dart, I still believe that he can he can play really well. I think he's going to do some good things in this game against LSU. And Lane Kiffin, uh, for all the trolling and everything he does on Twitter, he's he, – you know, now came out. He was very complimentary of the Alabama team, and he, now he says moving forward, uh, focusing on beating LSU. So we'll see what that environment is like in Oxford. I expect it to be be a great environment. And Vegas, listen, Vegas only likes LSU right now as a two and a half point favorite uh, on the road there at Ole Miss. So I think it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a tight one. And uh, Jackson Dart and Quinshaw Judkins just got to got to get things going. They weren't able to stay on the field and keep drives going. Uh, they were three of fourteen on third down. Uh, just can't do that against a good team in Alabama. So I think Ole Miss. We figured out, hey, they're they're still a good ball club. They just got to clean a couple things up, especially when you're playing elite competition. South Carolina. Spencer Rattler continues to just play off the charts football. Uh, he is so efficient. Uh, finds ways to d- d- deliver the ball where his receivers can make plays. Xavier Leggett is a freak. I mean, a guy shouldn't be able to be six foot three, two hundred twenty-seven pounds, and split defenses like a Lear Jet going through there. I mean, he can absolutely fly. They finally got some running game going um, with Mario Anderson. You know, when you can turn it around and give a back twenty-six carries, and he can shoulder that burden. I don't care uh, how much he ends up producing. That is huge. That is huge for your team, and it helps create balance. Um, you know, T.J. Sanders continues to show that he is a uh, he's a force there for South Carolina defensively up front. I mean, they got Strawn and, and and Tonka, all those guys playing well. But I like T.J. Sanders and what he's doing. A third year player there for South Carolina. They had some horrible lapses in the secondary. Uh, Shane Beamer called it embarrassing how they let Tula Griffin just run uh, wide open down the field. And, and make plays on them like that, just getting lost, not not having discipline back there. So, you know, if they can keep a sense of balance, 
okay, running the football. They don't have to be elite running the football. You just have to have a modicum of balance. That's going to help you out tremendously, particularly on the road at Tennessee this week. you got to find some way to be able to run the football just a little bit so that that defense with that crowd noise there in Neyland isn't able just to pin their ears back and come after Spencer Rattler. Um, that's going to be a problem if they do. So I just want to see uh, how they how they respond, especially with all the emotion that's going to be in this game. You know it's a revenge game, so to speak, for Tennessee after South Carolina, uh, you know, wrecked their season last year. But I think you just got to be encouraged by how they improved a little bit along the front there on the on the offensive line in terms of running the football and getting some getting some blocks for them uh, for Mario Anderson and you know. They, they got to be more disciplined uh, in the back end on defense. Make sure that they're stopping the run. They, they were able to stop the run against Mississippi State. Can they do it two weeks in a row? Because if you can stop Tennessee's run game, then I believe you'll be able to frustrate Joe Milton and company a little bit, but that's easier said than done. Can Tennessee runs the football quite well? Now, speaking about Tennessee, uh, you know, here we, here we go. You know, they, they, win a game in a fashion that they should. They have over 300 yards rushing. Still, Joe Milton in the second half of that game, there were some struggles passing the ball, but, hey, were they up? Was that a lack of focus? I don't know what's going on in terms of that. They they still are more productive running the football than they are throwing the football, which kind of is a good thing for Hypo and company because running the ball, I think, I think being able to run the ball and stop the run – I think that goes with you throughout the year. The passing game sometimes can be hit or miss. Uh, but, you know, in the SEC, I always say, if you can run the ball and stop the run, you're going to be good. Tennessee, in large part, handled a lesser opponent, and now they get to move on to a SEC uh, opponent in South Carolina coming in there. Like I said, the, the emotion is going to be high. Can you show maturity and just do your job and not not make it about, hey, last year South Carolina ruined our season I know all the fans, the environment is going to be absolutely crazy there. They continue to have different backs that are able to step up. Dylan Sampson had a huge, huge game for Tennessee. We learned that, hey, if Tennessee can run the football, you can't stop them, okay? You have to make sure you stop Tennessee's run game first and foremost if you want to have any chance of slowing down that offense because once they get that tempo going and once you have to start committing extra hats to the box, boom, that's when they take their shots deep and they they take care of business on you, and that's what Hypo tries to do. Um, I just think that defensively they play hard. They they got after UTSA. They stopped their, their run uh, and – that's what they're going to have to do against South Carolina. Don't let them have any any kind of success running the ball, and then just force Spencer Rattler to play, uh, you know, out of his mind again and play the best game of his life to try to beat you. Uh, I don't know that you'll have enough weapons for South Carolina to really threaten uh, Tennessee's secondary deep. I know Xavier Leggett can be a game breaker all in himself, but just don't know. Uh, what that's going to look like for South Carolina and the recipe to go in there and take care of business against a Tennessee team. We know the defense is disruptive for Tennessee. Which one are we going to see? Which defensive front? The one that we've seen in all the other games this year, the one that we saw down in Gainesville uh, where they weren't able to, they weren't able to fit runs 
properly. They were just a, maybe a half step off of, of where they needed to be. And Florida just absolutely gashed them. So I don't think South Carolina's got that in them run game wise, but if they're able to just be efficient, that's going to help Spencer Rattler a lot. So can Tennessee play that, that style, that disruptive style of defense up front uh, and get after them. But I think what we learned is, Hey, Tennessee has an identity. It's running the football. It's stopping the run. And then it's being able to hit explosive plays once you come up and try to stop their run. So I think that's what we learned about Tennessee is there is a blueprint and they just have to, they just have to follow it and they have to, they have to stay disciplined to it. Texas A&M. We learned that, that the talent is a real thing. Okay. That they are just a talented football team uh, across both defensive and offensive front i thought they played played well um they can just absolutely discombobulated auburn uh in terms of defensively auburn was so frustrated on offense that it just couldn't i just couldn't couldn't function properly at all texas a&m looked dominant at parts of this game but they left some points out there in the red zone uh, Max Johnson, honestly, he gave this team a boost. They looked a lot better when he came into the game than when Connor Wegman was in there. Connor Wegman goes down with an ankle injury. He just comes in and, man, he looks comfortable in the pocket. Uh, he's able to extend plays as well, plenty athletic enough. This is a guy who has 4,600 passing yards in the SEC uh, in his career, 42 touchdowns, seven interceptions after this game uh, where he had two touchdowns um and zero interceptions against Auburn through a touchdown to his brother I think that they're starting to get a little bit better uh running the football I think they need to we learned that Reuben Owens is special man you got to get him the ball they he didn't have a ton of touches but when he did touch it you saw flashes of brilliance and I just think he's a guy that's able to make people miss and and you got to find ways to get him the football so I think that's that's something uh something that you got to got to look at there um, just being able to finish in the in the red zone, but ultimately we learned that hey, Texas A&M is as talented of a team as you're going to see in the in the SEC West, and I think they are right there in the thick of it to to try to try to win this thing. Um, and this is a this is going to be a huge game for them in Jerry's world against Arkansas. I think Max Johnson will probably end up going. I, I just doubt Connor Wigman's going to be able to come back. They said the x-rays are negative, but hey, when it's an ankle sprain like that, and particularly when Max Johnson played the way he did, I think mean, it gives you a lot of confidence. Um, and I Smith, Evan Stewart, they're just deadly. Uh, they're guys that can hurt you at any point in time. So Texas A&M, a lot to like going forward. I think it's going to be a uh, you know, always an interesting game with Arkansas and Jerry's world, but I'm excited to see it, excited to see what's going on. And then finally, Vanderbilt. They got terrible play offensively, uh, made bad decisions with the football, A.J. Swan. Is he injured? Is he not? We'll see. I don't know what's going on with his elbow, uh, but, you know, there was talk about that after the game. They're not able to run the football. The defense is playing Playing hard, uh, they tried to bow their back even with a short field one time. Um, but when you're when you're basically spotted twenty one points, spotting twenty one points to the other team with turnovers and field position, man, it's just uh, it's just tough. And Clark Lee's getting really good special teams, really good effort on defense, but offense is just not there. They don't have what they need up front to be able to produce an effective running game. 
Um, they do have good receivers, but the quarterback play hasn't been there at times, and they can't really protect QB as well as they need to. So that's just tough right now. I got to continue to to be patient. If you're a Vanderbilt fan, you got to get more talent in there uh, somehow, some way. It's very hard to get transfers in there, so they're going to have to do it through recruiting a lot of times. So I just think uh, you got to find ways to to continue to get McGowan and Shepard and and Logan Humphreys and those guys that can make plays the football. Uh, but hey, you know, all you can do is is try to play hard against a team that is um, coming in. You know, a Missouri team that I think is very balanced, a very good football team. But Vanderbilt uh, has some fight to them. I think we learned that, but they just don't have enough talent right now to totally compete. Like I said, everybody, that is every SEC team, what we learned this week. Make sure that you like, subscribe, you turn on notifications. We touched every team in the SEC, and we will continue with our morning reports on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'll have Jake Crane with me from Crane and Company on the Daily Wire on Fridays. Stick around uh, later today, 11 to 12 Central, 12 to 1 Eastern. We have our daily show with Chris Lee, Gavin Schoenwall, and also Blake Lovell hops on there from time to time as well. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. I am Blaine Gilmer. Make sure to check out Chomps in the description below. You got a discount down there. And remember, if you want to be part of our team, hit up caroline.smith at Southeastern 14. We'll catch you next time to talk more SEC football for your place for daily SEC coverage, not just football, but basketball and baseball as well, right here on Southeastern 14. Oh, my God.